Red Salute, welcome back to the Manifesting Podcast. Apologies for the delay as always. As many of you may already be aware, I've been working on an audiobook project for Foreign Languages Press, so that's been taking up the lion's share of my time since I last released an episode in December. Going forward, I'm hoping to balance that project while releasing interviews with authors and comrades a bit more often than once a year through the podcast. Speaking of, on this episode, I have Torkel Lausen back on the show to discuss his latest book, Riding the Wave, Sweden's Integration into the Imperialist World System. It's a fascinating and really timely intervention, especially for those comrades who are struggling with people as it concerns the question of social democracy. If you're living in the United States, you know all too well how, um, how frustrating that can be. So this is, um, this is a really useful book if you're in that situation. You can pick up the book from Chris Blebedeb at their website, leftwingbooks.net, which I'll link to in the show notes. So without further ado, here's my interview with Torka Lawson. The ideas of social democracy really started to take hold in Denmark and Sweden in the mid-19th century. If you can discuss this history specifically as it concerns the marginal Marxist influence, and thus not truly revolutionary influence, of the leftist groups at that time in Denmark, and how that was similar or different from the situation that arose in Sweden. Well, yes, the, the Danish uh, social movement started in the 1870s, actually in 1871 was the Danish social uh, democracy uh, founded. Uh, it, it it was member of the first international, but but actually uh, it was more or less uh, a coincidence because the the knowledge of of Max, Marx was very limited. The the socialist movement here in in Denmark was at that time uh, very influenced by the ideas of Ferdinand Lassalle, and uh, uh, you know he. He's more like you should appeal to the state to improve the conditions for the for the working class, and it was also uh, the line of struggle was parliamentarism try to get influence uh, on the state, and then it was also very linked to to building cooperatives and uh, in in that way building uh, labor power. The the early movement was very much. Uh, and led by by the trade unions and all the demands were around uh, the working condition and uh, wage. So it was not very uh, ideological, uh, uh, solid. Uh, actually, actually uh, the Communist Manifest was first mentioned in, in the, an article in, in 1883 when Marx died in this article about uh, Marx passing away uh, uh, was the first time that the, the that the Communist Manifest was mentioned here in uh, in uh, uh, Denmark, and the whole article showed that there was very limited uh, information about uh, uh, Marxism. Uh, and it was um, uh, more or less uh, similar in in uh, in uh, Sweden. There was a small radical group in in uh, Sweden which translated actually the Communist uh, Manifest a few months after it was uh, published. Uh, but it was kind of twisted uh, into some kind of uh, 
religious uh, right mm -hmm. uh, also so it was uh, yeah it it it, it was uh, uh, the movement here in in the Scandinavian was very much influenced by by the, the trade unions. Um, so, uh, but uh, and and also, uh, if we look at at the uh, at at, the, uh, at how Denmark was uh, integrated in uh, capitalism and the industrial revolution in uh, in uh, Denmark, it was very much linked to to uh, the peasant and what was going on in the rural areas. Denmark was a very uh, rural uh, so society, and this was the most important part of the e economy. And the peasant was, you know, it was a family a business, and the peasant was, compared to Sweden, uh, a much better uh, economics. Um, and uh, it improved uh, when Denmark was linked to to the English market, and the English market opened up for for uh, a cultural uh, product for the English uh, working class. And this was this was the breakthrough of of uh, Danish uh, capitalism because uh, this export to uh, to the English uh, market of uh, Bacon, butter, and uh, corn and uh, cattle uh, was linked to to logistic uh, to uh, to uh, building harbors and to the merchant fleet and to also uh, improving the roads and um, also new farming equipment and uh, in and machinery. So. The industrial revolution in in Denmark was very much linked to to the farms, and in Sweden it was completely different because uh, in 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 Sweden uh, the industrial revolution was linked to raw materials. Sweden had had iron, and for many years and since the Middle Age have they um, uh, refined iron and produced uh, iron bars. And it was also timber, which was a very important uh, uh, product. Also, uh, Sweden has huge uh, forests where they uh, where they have a, a, a timber industry, and they made paper, and they also sold a lot of uh, timber to the building industries in in uh, Germany, and and so it was a very different uh, kind of uh, development in Sweden and Denmark. As it concerns the necessary conditions for a welfare state to emerge in the first place and sustain itself in the global north, which really is one of the major themes in your book, you quote Mark E. Kelly about his idea of biopolitical imperialism. If you can discuss that concept and the broader idea of the global north pillaging the global south historically, and the role that played in the formation of the welfare state in the Scandinavian countries specifically, and maybe even the entire global north as it currently stands. Yes, also, it... it uh... It has to do uh, with a with a change in the in the concept of uh, power, and this is a concept which uh, was developed by this French uh, philosophy uh, Foucault, and uh, he he said that there was a change in the in the concept of, of power in the feudal area. Uh, power was very much linked to the power of death. He called the power of death. Uh, 
the, the sovereign has the right to the life and death of, of his uh, subjects. And, uh, 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 but, but when you come to the breakthrough of, of capitalism, this, uh, there is a change uh, and a new kind of, of power is established because uh, uh, power is now linked to that you have a, a population which is uh, healthy, which can work, which is uh, educated, and uh, uh, thereby uh, the, the role of, of the state uh, changes and it becomes uh, profitable to, to, to have uh, a kind of uh, healthy uh, population, and this is called Bio power, and he called it bio power, uh, Foucault, and this was very much uh, uh, slowly in the second part of the 19th century. You begin to have this uh, bio power where you are concerned with with the health of of the, the, the population. You have all these rules, uh, factory rules, and you have the improvement of the of the sour system and, and the water supply and all and all these uh, things to clean streets and and uh, and uh, so on to fight all kinds of uh, diseases um, and this this is the beginning of some kind of welfare state also which link the 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 working class uh, to the state as national uh, citizens before they were considered some kind of dangerous classes who should be controlled and suppressed but now they are slowly integrated in the state as uh, as uh, citizens but on the other hand you have uh, imperialism where the rule of power is is still connected very much to uh, uh, death and what's uh, uh, Kelly shows is there is this connection between this kind of two kinds of view power, the, the view power of death and the view power of of uh, life, and and he uses uh, uh, very much the example of of, uh, of uh, the English colonization of of India, where there in in the uh, I think it's the 1860s. Uh, there is this uh, huge um, uh, catastrophe in uh, India where uh, people are very hungry and uh, 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 dying in, in, uh, in tens of, of uh, thousands. But even in this situation, all the foods, the rice and the corn from India is, is uh, exported to, uh, to uh, England. And there you have this uh, connection between uh, the power of life and, uh, and the power of death. And he calls this uh, geopolitical uh, imperialism. He, uh, in, in his very fascinating uh, uh, book, and he, he used a lot of examples from, uh, I think, uh, this famous book about India by, I can't remember his name now. No. It's gone, but this is uh, more, more or less this kind of uh, thinking that there is in, in EU imperialism. You also go into depth concerning the role of the SPD in Germany and how formative that was for the situation in the Scandinavian countries. Edward Bernstein of the SPD outright called for the right to conquer and colonize countries in the global south to extract resources in the name of bolstering the working class and the imperialist core. 
What is your opinion on social democrats today, maybe not explicitly calling for the right of countries in the global north to conquer or colonize, but turning a blind eye or to obfuscate the question of modern-day imperialism, which is essentially tantamount to Bernstein's viewpoint? A specific example of this is politicians that call themselves quote-unquote social democrats in the U.S. like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, calling Maduro in Venezuela a dictator. How would you approach conversations with people that carry this line, with the goal of shifting their mindset towards a more revolutionary ideology? Yeah, well, it's it's uh, correct that that both the Danish and and uh, Swedish uh, social democrats are very influenced by by the German Social Democratic Party, which is of course the leading uh, socialist party at the time. Actually, their their programs are, are copied from from the German uh, socialist uh, party's uh, uh, program. And and um, the attitude uh, towards uh, uh, col- colonialism is is uh, is actually more or less uh, the same as as the German uh, up to uh, history. I I think uh, today, well, um, I think that that it's that it's more or less. Uh, People don't connect their their imperial mode of living, as as someone uh, call it, with uh, with uh, what's going on in uh, the third world. They, they they accept it more or less as as naturally that they can uh, consume uh, bananas or coffee or or tea or electronics or or clothes. Which is produced by uh, people which have a weight that uh, is a tenth of, of their weight. It's it's a kind of how how life is, and this is how the state is, and it's uh, it's uh, normal. Uh, so in that way, I I think the the attitude is is the same that uh, that. It is just how life is, and uh, we. And there's also a lot of this attitude that that we here in the Scandinavian and uh, Sweden uh, have worked hard to build the, this uh, this uh, welfare state, and uh, we uh, deserved it. And it is also reflected in the attitude towards uh, immigrants and and refugees, which are. In many aspects, uh, looked upon as someone who is trying to to get a cheap ride on 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 the welfare state by uh, coming here, and we have worked for it, and they just try to get a free ride. And so I I think that the attitude is more or less uh, the same as as uh, by the German uh, social democrats in in uh, the eighties. I, I I don't think that 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 have changed much, but but I I I think that uh, you have to acknowledge that that uh, while Lenin he has this idea that it was most uh, most conscious uh, treason and uh, corruption, and I will say it's more kind that you are socialized into that kind of. Of uh, living through the when you are born to a uh, childhood that 
that this is how the world is. We are prospering. Mm -hmm. We are living here in a prosperous society and uh, they are, are poor, but this is just how the world works. Uh, and uh, yeah. A major theme that you lay out in great detail in the book is Sweden's history of not only being complicit with the policies of imperialist nations, but also the history up until today even of weapons manufacturing and exporting. If you can touch on that history, as I feel it's something that just frankly isn't discussed often when it comes to the topic of social democracy in Sweden. Yes, also, also there, there are both on the economic side that, that Sweden has actually very big uh, uh, companies. Uh, maybe you don't know all the names, but you know at least uh, IKEA, the, which make uh, furnitures. And you know maybe LM Ericsson, which produce uh, a lot of tools and uh, equipment and we also have also more uh, 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 firms which uh, work on on the consuming side uh, this uh, Hins and Moritz which is a huge uh, uh, company which sells clothes and, and uh, shoes so we have a lot of actually if you go through you know this uh, fortunes list of big companies there's a lot of big uh, Swedish uh, uh, companies in, and a very big part of their uh, workers actually the people who 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 has a job in in these uh, companies live in Southeast Asia and Latin America and also in Southern Africa and of course in uh, mostly in uh, in uh, China and actually there there are more there are, are more workers in this Swedish firms uh, now than there are workers in in, uh, in uh, Sweden so there's a lot of uh, of of profits on low price wages and uh, in in uh, in uh, the Sweden's companies, and I have some uh, statistic in uh, in uh, in uh, the book uh, about this. Uh, um, and also, there's a more specific. You uh, mentioned the the arms uh, uh, trade of the of Sweden, and Sweden have has always have a big. Uh, even if you go back to the 16th century, they produced a lot of uh, cannons, and uh, actually for the for the Dutch, for the Netherlands, they produced a, a lot of uh, guns, and and uh, this has uh, continued up through history because Sweden is is uh, tried to remain a neutral uh, uh, country, so they wanted to have their own. Uh, uh, arms production, and they also have a much bigger standing army than the other Scandinavian uh, countries. And this, this, uh, uh, they have a lot of uh, arms factory. You know this, uh, uh, which is mostly no, known in the old days for producing uh, private cars. Uh, Saab was was actually a Swedish uh, arms uh, com uh, company, which produce uh, airplanes. And fighter airplanes. There's very few uh, countries in the world which produce their own airplane fighters. That there are America and France and England and Sweden, uh, which produce. It's called Gripen now. They produce their own uh, uh, fighter, and this is this is very expensive. And they want to, of course, uh, sell some of this uh, 
equipment to to other countries, and they also uh, produce uh, heavy artillery and they produce uh, battleships and so on. And at the moment, there's there's the big market for for these uh, products is the Gulf state uh, in the Arab uh, uh, Gulf, and you know there is this war going on in uh, Yemen, mm-hmm. and and in that situation, uh, Sweden. Uh, both try to be a negotiator <laughs> uh, <laughs> between the parts, and 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 it's also selling weapons to Saudi Arabia and to uh, the Gulf states. Uh, so they are in a, in a very strange uh, position in uh, in uh, that way. If you go in, in in Sweden, you will also see that there's there's a lot of of uh, military. Uh, yeah, bunkers and all kinds of fortifications and and uh, and, and so on. So this is a a, a big part of of uh, Sweden also. As it pertains to the last question, I think Olaf Palm, who you discuss in the book, provides a great example of having the correct rhetoric, as he claimed to be against U.S. intervention in Vietnam, but in action was actually an alliance with the U.S. Yeah. Um... Uh, Palme was a very uh, was a very I think mixed uh, figure. You know, he 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 uh, he uh, was a star in the social uh, democracy. As a very old man, he he was included as as uh, as a secretary for the prime minister and rose very high to to power in uh, very quickly in in Sweden as a as a young man. He was educated uh, in uh, the U.S. in in different kinds of of, uh, of academies in the U.S. He he took a master degree, I think, in in the United States. And while he was there, he was actually uh, recu- recruited by the CIA um, uh, because he. Uh, he was a member of different kinds of, of students uh, movements and uh, students uh, organization and actually he he uh, he uh, gave the cia a list of, of who was participating in 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 this kind of, of uh, meetings and and he was very he he and and what made him as a cia a agent was was what was going on in in, in Prague in uh, in uh, in, uh, in Hungary uh, at at the time the Soviet uh, invasion. So he was kind of this caught in this uh, Cold War and and turned to the American side. But he was also critical of America for for its. Uh, for, for for the treatment of the black pop population in in uh, America, but nevertheless, um, he uh, he uh, when he came to to uh, power and 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 Sweden was a neutral country. They have all kinds of of undercover um, agreement with the U.S. Uh, about uh, uh, what was going on in the Baltic Sea. You know, Sweden have the uh, west uh, east of Sweden, that's the Baltic Sea, and then the Soviet Union, or now uh, Russia, and and uh, and Sweden have a lot of uh, equipment which uh, uh, mon- monitored what was going on in the Baltic Sea, and this was all passed to uh, 
to the United States, which also helped them with with all kinds of uh, equipment uh, and also improving their missile systems and rocket systems. And so there was this uh, undercover co cooperation with the NATO going on uh, all the time. And and it's correct that he was very critical to to the Vietnam War, um, and he actually marched in in Stockholm with the North Vietnam ambassador in in a demonstration, uh, which made Nixon completely mad uh, that that he did that. But and and I think that he he was very much against the uh, Vietnam War, but it was not out of a out of uh, and analysis of U.S. In, in imperialism. He he thinks that the Vietnam War was a stupid mistake by by the United States, which was actually a, a, a nice country, and they have to correct this uh, this uh, attitude uh, and to have a, a better policy. So so it was uh, it was this kind of of uh, critique of of the U.S. It was not a a critique of the foundation or a critique of imperialism. It, it was a critique of a policy. You discussed the reality that in Scandinavian countries and even in much of the rest of the global north, the working class has more to lose than its chains. How does the state and capitalist interests in the global north placate much of the labor aristocracy, thus defanging it of revolutionary potential? Well, it's, it, it, it's it's this whole story I I present with with the with the inclusion of of the working class as uh, as uh, national uh, citizens, uh, but on the other hand that they they then uh, um, turn off all kinds of um, of a, a kind of policy which would. Turnover uh, capitalism and and actually the the Swedish Social Democrats have been very active uh, in in uh, fighting any kind of of uh, revolutionary or or socialist movement in uh, in the Sweden. So it was they were more or less slowly included in uh, this kind of uh, of the, uh, policy, especially in the after the Second World War, in the in the 60s and and the 70s, the Social Democrats uh, uh, had an enormous power. I, I think they have been they have the uh, uh, they have the government, the power of the government in in, uh, in 30 uh, years or, or something. So they were they were Sweden, and they were com completely uh, uh, institution. Which uh, which was uh, extremely strong, and then you know they built this kind of, of folk home called the folk home, uh, where they tried to include uh, all people in uh, in Sweden in this uh, welfare state, and uh, you know yeah, it's, and that, it's, for the listeners it, that translates to a people's home, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if uh, you you know here in in uh, in uh, the Denmark model of, of welfare state, I, I I would say it's a bit more liberal. You know we have this uh, here in Denmark. If we have uh, someone sitting on a bench and uh, uh, drinking beers uh, all day, well we say that uh, okay if you want to drink yourself. Uh, 
to death, it's it's okay with us. But if you if someone's is drinking on a bench in, in the street, see that they are contacted by the by the social service, we said, okay, do you have a problem? Should we help you? And you know, they are very uh, upfront in in uh, in trying to connect to all people and solve all uh, all kinds of problems. They have all this very restrictive alcohol policy in Sweden. You can only buy it in certain shops in, in a certain time of the day. You cannot buy uh, alcohol in a supermarket or it's like that. And in many places they 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 have a very uh, they uh, had they had to they built this uh, uh, focal. But I, I think that uh, you know one thing which also I I mentioned in the book is the pension system, which has grown very strong in in, uh, uh, in the Nordic uh, uh, country, because we have uh, this kind of a, 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 around 15 or 20% of the wage uh, goes into a, a pension fund, which is actually uh, invested in uh, shares and, and uh, on the on the on the capitalist uh, market and 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 the profit goes into your account and and built up uh, through the years and this pension system is is now is uh, covering around ninety five percent of of the population and have been into into uh, work for the last uh, twenty years or, or something so most people in in Denmark now, when or in Sweden, when they go old, they will have this uh, uh, pension on top of the of the state pension. They have this pension from from uh, uh, comes from profit on the capitalist market, and this links them very much uh, to the to the capitalist uh, system that is uh, a kind of pension system. You cover COVID and use it as a convincing example of the dead-end reality attached to spontaneous rebellion. I feel it's vital as communists to have a clear political project in mind, otherwise we deal with what Lenin discusses the objective conditions being ripe, but the subjective conditions lagging behind. Your thoughts on that outlook? Yes, I, I think we can, we have seen that from, from the last many years, that, that, uh, that we have a lot of spontaneous uh, uh, rebellion, but but not much uh, progress. We have seen it in the Arab uh, Revolution uh, ten years ago, and we have seen it um, also recently in Lebanon and uh, Iraq, and uh, maybe also in in parts of uh, Latin America. So the problem is, I think the the subjective uh, con 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 condition the a, a clear vision of of the socialism and and uh, the ability to uh, to uh, organize in strong uh, organization i i think which uh, we lack and we have to to build up again and uh, and focus uh, very much on on uh, this and this is a well, it's 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 a long uh, problem, but but I I I think that uh, actually actually I think that there is 
at least one progress at the moment. And I, I think that this is the Chinese Communist Party, which I think is sliding to the left uh, at, at the moment. If you, if you listen to the speech which uh, Jinping gave uh, a month ago, a go to the Communist Party in the hundred years uh, anniversary. It's very interesting, and if you if you read his articles on uh, on uh, Marxism, I, I think it's very interesting. It's the first time for many many years that that is that a, a communist leader in in a big country, the biggest country, uh, and the a big party is taking Marxism uh, kind of, of uh, serious uh, uh, again. And also he, he says that, that the main contradiction in, in China right now is, is, that, uh, is the class uh, division between the very rich people and very poor people. And this is the main problem. That uh, that the years of of the capitalist market have made so, I, and I think that uh, it's very interesting in in which way uh, China is uh, moving now. And if they if they continue this uh, this uh, slide to to the left, we will have a, a whole new situation. Uh, in the world because they have the ability to balance uh, USA and give room for a lot of uh, other movements in the world to, uh, to, to, to be stronger because they have now lived in for 20, 30 years under neoliberalism and, and uh, US hemogeny. And, and now I think this is uh, shifting and so I, I, I think there is uh, something positive uh, happening in uh, these years. Yeah, I um, kind of off script here again. I think that um, that split between Marxist Leninists and Marxist Leninist Maoists is very important to touch on here. Like you were, I, I appreciated your clarification on the China question and like going into details about their economic shifts and you were very candid about their shortcomings. I would, um, as they do, like with you know Xi Jinping having these speeches and and the rhetoric seeming like it's correct, and certainly like American hegemony needs to fall apart. Like that that's something that needs to be tackled and toppled, without question. I would I would ask you how you feel about their support of Duterte in the Philippines, um, as it comes to opposing Maoists. And more so as it pertains to the Belt and Road Initiative, some of their exploitation of, of Africa, specifically in Kenya, I, is, it, is, it, is it, do you feel like it's a shift? Do you feel like they're, it's, it's, it's a tough question to tackle, but like I know like they've set up um, factories in Kenya because their working class is asking for more wages. So they, mm -hmm. they kind of have to do what the United States did in the 1970s and outsource labor which they've mm. done to Africa. How do you feel that balance is struck as it concerns China? Um, I think I'm, 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 I'm certainly not, uh, you know, uh, just uh, happy about everything that uh, mm. uh, China does, but, but I think that a, a lot of the things they, they do uh, in building infrastructure in in other parts of 
of the global south. It's I I don't think this is uh, idealism. Uh, I, I I don't know about the specific uh, in uh, Kenya. It uh, might be so, or, or it might be. Uh, I, I I don't know if it's a if it's a state Chinese firm or it is a, a or, or it's a private owned capitalist mm -hmm. uh, private firm. It, it could also be uh, that because China is is now also I think. Uh, Checking a lot of the capitalist and uh, corruption in in the country, and but uh, yeah, I I but what what I say is that I think we should continue to push uh, and and support the left wing of the Chinese working class and mm -hmm. the peasants, uh, and I think on the other hand uh, we should support. The Chinese state against the U.S. Uh, in this new code, which is uh, building up, and we have to have some kind of balance between these two uh, points because it's, I think that we are running out of time, and then uh, mm -hmm. we have a transition to uh, to uh, a socialism, and we are at a very crucial years and states now that we have to. Uh, we have to be very careful not to uh, to draw the time because we are in a. Uh, I think we are running out of time, so we have to choose our paths very cleverly now and not not be not be too idealistic and not too you know too sacred, and we have to be practical. So you know, Another extremely interesting section of the book was the piece on the history of attempts in Sweden to find a capitalist path to socialism. Can you explain the ideology put forward at this time, especially the idea of collective investment funds? Uh, well, that, that, that's very well. Uh, it, it was something which was uh, raised by the Swedish um, uh, trade unions uh, around uh, uh, 60, 68, uh, 69. And, 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 and it was actually very radical because uh, the whole Swedish policy have have been that we should have more uh, equal uh, income, and this should be done by taxes. Uh, it was uh, the the social democrats never uh, questioned uh, the capital's uh, right to own uh, uh, the the productive uh, uh, forces. But now the Swedish um, uh, trade unions they have they had this plan that that part of the profit of each company should go into a workers uh, fund uh, each year, and of course uh, as the years go on this this fund would would control uh, a bigger a bigger part of the, of the company and within twenty or thirty years or something like that. Uh, the the workers would uh, would own the the factory. This was the this was the plan, and um, so this was actually an attack on the capitalist right to, to uh, exclusive right to own the means of uh, production. And this was put forward to the social democrats and to to Palme actually and. Uh, 
and and he was uh, really shocked that uh, they came up with this kind of, of, of policy. So in in the next uh, years, they they tried to dilute this uh, this uh, proposal f- uh, in different ways from uh, from the uh, trade union. You know, uh, it was not it. Uh, the the workers uh, would not have uh, control of the fund in each factory. It should be huge states collective funds, and uh, and it should only be uh, they could only maybe own forty uh, percent of each firm, and, and so on and so on. So they in in the next many years they diluted that uh, as and also. In the same time, the steam uh, run out of the 68 um, uh, rebellion, so the trade unions became also less uh, uh, radical. So um, in that time, uh, the the proposal uh, uh, became more and more uh, diluted. And when it finally came to uh, to the to the government and in the parliament and should be uh, enacted, there was a very big confrontation in, in in Sweden, and it was around 50-50. Half of the population was for, and half of the po- population was uh, against. And and, uh, and the bourgeois part presented it as as uh, socialism, as uh, so Soviet socialism, and it was so diluted at the time that it was nothing to do with. But it was a very hard confrontation in in Sweden, and and actually. Actually, there was a lot of rumors also that this conflict was maybe uh, one of the reasons why uh, uh, Palme was uh, murdered uh, uh, later. And and yeah, and but but the whole idea I I, I think about this plan is uh, again that it would only create a kind of, of people's uh, capitalism. You know that that the. Mm-hmm. That the workers they got to own the the factory, but it still should work on 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 market terms, both internal in in uh, Sweden, but also on the on the world market. So it wouldn't change uh, uh, actually the the capitalist uh, re- relation. It would be kind of um, I I would say uh, workers uh, 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 capitalism, but. But but now actually at the time the uh, at this moment the 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 Danish uh, uh, mainstream left wing uh, parliamentary uh, uh, party called the Unity List they they are again trying to propose this uh, old proposal f- uh, from from the Swedish or econ- they call it economy uh, economy. Economy democracy, uh, so so it still uh, lives and it's still part of of uh, the social uh, uh, democrats uh, uh, policy. Actually, the the mainstream left is picking up a lot of of the stuff from the 60s and the 70s from the social democrats and presented it now as uh, their uh, policy. While the social democrats maybe have have it, uh, was under influence of neoliberalism and uh, and also all, all kinds of uh, 
uh, right-wing uh, populism, then the mainstream left pick up a lot of their old position uh, at the moment. The last question I have for you concerns a break from a political line that many communists hold near and dear, the idea of the need for internationalism. You actually call for a transition from internationalism to transnationalism. If you can please just explain the similarities and differences between the two, and why you call for this transition to transnationalism in the modern age. Obvious, I, I think that transnationalism is, is very much so I, I think that nationalism has destroyed any force in socialist communist history. And uh, I think that but the only time where we succeeded in building a strong internationalism was actually was actually the, the Comintern, which was built in 1919, and I think it's functioning well uh, up to the mid uh, 1920s. And the reason I think that this was a strong international was that that time the Communist Party was very uh, uh, homogeneous uh, in, in uh, the world. And uh, also they had the backing of the first uh, socialist state, the Soviet Union, and also they had the backing of of the Bolshevik and, and Lenin, which was a very, very prominent uh, figure and, and could, uh, and, 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 and could uh, make this strong uh, international uh, at the time. Also because the Soviet Union and, and the Bolshevik and Lenin put top priority to, to internationalism. You know, they were convinced that, uh, uh, the world revolution uh, has to carry on if if the Soviet uh, Union uh, uh, would uh, survive. Only in that way could could socialism in in the Soviet Union survive if 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 the world revolution uh, uh, carried on. And they did their best to help the revolutionary process. I think in in Europe, and they came close in. Uh, in uh, Germany again, I think that 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 the social democrats played a very negative role in 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 that uh, situation and helped capital to crush the German um, revolution. And and I think that that this is in many many crucial situations in world history we can see that social democracy had chose the, the capitalist uh, side. And I think we should keep that in mind also uh, for, the, for, for the future. Um, but uh, after uh, uh, the strategy of world revolution to the strategy of socialism in, in uh, one country, um, of course, interna internationalism uh, was uh, going very much down, and I, I don't think all subsequent revolution have actually been uh, about uh, the revolution in one country and the surviving of this country. I, I, th I think the only example of, of a socialist state which have given top priority to world revolution is actually Cuba.
they they have put the 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 global perspective uh, high on the ag- ag- agenda. So I in in the current situation now, I think it will be very difficult to establish uh, a, a new internationalism, you know, from above, you know, from the biggest party going together and and the most influenced parties going together and try to establish their international. I I don't think that would work because we there are so many different uh, uh, socialist uh, lines and so uh, many discussions. I think we have to build it up uh, from the bottom, actually uh, uh, rather slow and I, I think the way to build it up is to convince as many groups and uh, and uh, uh, trade unions and uh, all kinds of organizations that they have to put the global perspective uh, on the top instead of the national uh, agenda. And I, I think this is a general problem because most parties and most groups, they they go from the national perspective to the global perspective. And I, had, I think it had to be the other way around. And from that if we if if you put the global perspective uh, in the top you can build you know a, a stronger uh, transnational cooperation in in trade unions in uh, in uh, native organizations in uh, in climate struggle uh, in anti-imperialist struggle and and uh, so on and from these different kinds of of small internationalists in different kinds of subjects, I, I, I think maybe an, an international movement could uh, grow. And this is how I, I think that we should build uh, a, a new international from the, uh, from the bottom and uh, up. And I think that it's very important that, that these groups, when we talk about it, uh, it's put practice on the top because the negative Example, I, I think is the World Socialist Forum, which was had just talked for for twenty years and would not proceed from talking to to action. So it's also putting action uh, on the agenda. And we what should we uh, uh, work transnational about actions? All right, that was my interview with Torkel Lawson. If you want to pick up a hard copy of the book, which I can't recommend enough, you can do so through Chris Blebedev at their website, leftwingbooks.net. Apologies for any technical difficulties. It wouldn't be my podcast if it weren't uh, some of the shittiest audio production on the left. So there you have it. All right, looking forward to talking to you all again soon. I do have some pretty interesting stuff lined up interview-wise, so hopefully we'll be getting to that sooner than later. Until then, red salute.